Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Everybody and welcome to a brand new spoiler review episode here for She-Hulk from the Geek Buddies. Hey! Hey! Uh, and, you know, going to... Yep, I'm good. <laughs> there it is. There it is. And we're doing episode five here of She-Hulk. Uh, this one. Uh, you know, we might have some. We might be influenced to make some Geek Buddies uh, beauty products there for people to use down the road. Coming out of this, uh, coming out of this particular episode, this one's called Mean Green and Straight Poured into These Jeans. Hey, I like the title for sure. This one we tackled a lot uh, with Jennifer Walters' identity versus She-Hulk. We t- we tackled Titania being more of a, a a predominant part of this episode for sure. Get little hints to Daredevil. And also, maybe even pick up an Avengers shirt if we like, you know, where there's so much for us to jump into and talk about here on this episode. But let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. Mike? I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Shannon? And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> and I just got some applause. That's Hey-o. the first time that's happened. Yeah. A little overdue, but thanks. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, we are powered and sponsored by the great folks over at Carbon Health. Go to CarbonHealth.com for any questions or concerns or needs you have healthcare-wise. They have been so great to sponsor for so many months and keep the sponsorship going. Please go and take a look at them. Download their apps. You give a doc in your pocket. They've got 110-plus locations nationwide, 80-plus locations in California alone. They do the COVID testing. They like to set up special health care plans that are personal to you. So just go and visit them at uh, carbonhealth.com and see and get checked out today. Uh, and, uh, you know, they believe in power and sponsor communities that are uplifting and uh, supportive of geek uh, stuff like this. So that's why they sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies. All right. Well, let's move on to this uh, uh, episode here. As I mentioned, a lot going on about identity, a lot going on. We get some characters like Mallory Book getting a little more central uh, status here. We get a little bit more with Titania here. We in, were introduced to a new designer in the MCU that may or may not have references to particular people who are actually 
living and working uh, with the MCU. So there's a lot here for us to explore for sure. We get more with Ginger Gonzaga, more there with uh, Nikki, and more with Pug, which is a great little side adventure they go on. So there's a lot in this episode that we got. So, Michael, I start with you like always. Overall, what's your feeling about this episode five that didn't have any guest stars necessarily? It had more of these characters that we've seen already teased before getting a little more central focus. I love this show. I love it. I want more of it. I can watch it all day long. It's got great rewatch value. It is. This show is just like a complete 100% delight. I think it is just adorable. It is fun. It is this light, fluffy part of the MCU. As a big Jen Walters fan, I feel like they are doing my girl right. Uh, Yeah, I'm just having a real blast. And I love the exploration of Jen Walters. You know, I think it's really funny. Somebody on Twitter, I mean, somebody said this to me. They're not the only one. You know, there's a lot of complaints about Jen Walters as She-Hulk and kind of this Mary Sue thing, which is the most overused criticism of every female in geekdom. But this idea that she uh, has it easier than Bruce, that, you know, she just has perfect in all these ways. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This entire show is about how fucking hard this is for her, just in a different way from Bruce. Like, does she have a rage machine inside of her, Jekyll and Hyde style? No, we're not doing that story. But, like, her life as She-Hulk is really, really hard, and she's really struggling with a lot of aspects of it, like any superhero does. And I think this show is doing a really good job of exploring that and give it, particularly in this episode, giving you some really nice, sweet, emotional moments where you feel pretty bad for Jen. Uh, you know, putting on a brave smile in a courtroom where everybody on the stand tells you how much they don't want to date you as Jen Walters, like that, that hits in the feels, but it's still great. It's funny. It's a showcase for all these amazing actresses. Uh, I just think everyone was firing on all cylinders in this episode and I had an absolute blast and we ended with a really, really, uh, iconic little, uh, helmet in a box that made me real excited. And some uh, Easter eggs in the uh, panels that we got there during the credits, which we will get to later on in the show for sure. Shannon, overall thoughts on this episode here, episode five. I mean, uh, a lot of people felt like this is I've been reading some reviews and a lot of people feeling like this is the show that this is the episode that kind of really establishes the rhythm of the show once and for all. So what do you what's your feelings coming out of this episode? I mean, I think they did that with the episode before. I think okay. they did that with episode four, where we did get that that fun little action sequence at the end. So for me, I did like this episode, but for me, there was something missing in that there there just wasn't that more kind of a dynamic set piece, which mm-hmm. you know it, you know that and it didn't belong in this episode. Right, um, this is more but, of a low key grounded episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this was much more about the comedy with uh, Jamila Jamil, who was, is easily for me the MVP of this episode. I thought she was so so funny. Um, the, the, the pug Nikki pairing, trying to find, uh, some clothes that, that fit Jen Walters, I thought was really, really nice. This one, I think per capita had the best jokes. Like they definitely had some funny writing in this episode. A couple of, a couple of, uh, uh moments that I, that I had to, that I had to type out. Cause I was like, that's a really, that's a really, really good joke. Um, I wish we had seen more of Mallory book up until this yeah. point, because yeah. I do think, um, their their uh their scenes would have landed a little harder if we'd had a little more setup with her. But uh Renee Lee's Goldsberry, you know, is is great. Um so yeah, I mean this one, 
this one to me is not the best episode, but it was still a very good episode. Be careful, Shannon. You might be sliding into my camp, this idea of having these side characters have a little more time on screen for us to get to know them. God forbid! So, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely uh, agree with elements of what you said. I'm not as high, you know, guys, I may be the person who's a little bit kind of on the fence on this show still. I think some of the humor really is cringe at times. Uh, some of the segues are confusing. Why is why is relate why is Mallory commenting on her suit as a way out of nowhere when they're having a drink as a way to kind of jump into this fashion moment later on when she's grabbing her suit. So there's some weird changes in dynamic, but I think Michael nails it when he's talking about the emotional journey that Jen Walters is going on. That's what I'm attracted to. That's what I'm watching. That's what I'm that's what's keeping me hooked into the show. Because Tatiana Maslany is a fantastic actress and can do so much with just a look or a pursing of her lips or, like you said, Michael, the uncomfortable smile when you're seeing a bunch of men walk up there who you're probably not proud that you even remotely went on a date with uh, talking about, yeah, talking about how, you know, they prefer you as She-Hulk and whatever. So the, And even Mallory says that to her, like, uh, you know, you're uh, not many lawyers like Holloway, good reference to him, would put themselves through that kind of situation just to win a case. We see that she is willing to do that kind of stuff. And that's been the prevalent theme throughout the uh, throughout the show has been Jen Walters being the butt of the joke at times or being the person who's not quite as strong or powerful or stands for herself. She's learning how to find her voice in this situation. And, of course, that's logical the way it's presented. As you said, she didn't want to become She-Hulk. She didn't want this to happen. And, of course, we have that moment where Nikki literally whispers, yeah, by blood, literally by blood, which has multiple levels to it there when she says that. So there's so much about the Jen Walter stuff that I'm loving. I do not like Jamila Jamil. I didn't like oh. her. I, I'm not I'm not a person in that camp. I'm sorry. It doesn't work for me. There's not much going on. I did not watch The Good Place, so I don't have that nostalgic connection with her. So for me, I, I'm just I, – these characters seem too lightweight for what I what I would like to see uh, in the show. Uh, but for me, it's the Jen Walters storyline that keeps me hooked in, even when some of the humor doesn't work or some of the side characters – um, are played for uh, surface level uh, approaches and not enough depth. Um, that's that's kind of how I look at it. I did not like episode four. That's the worst episode for me of the season so far. Uh, Reese Coyle, yeah, Reese Coyle was terrible as the fucking uh, Blaze guy. Uh, the less of him, the better. Uh, but I did like once again her story through that episode is what I enjoy. What she's dealing with, what she's navigating. This is very much a show about identity. And certainly this episode really hammers it home. So let's switch over to that and talk about that real quick. Um, or oh, not real quick, but let's get into it. Uh, the Jen Walter storyline here. Uh, Michael, I go back to you. The uh, She's navigating, as I said, the identity. We have the Jamila Jamil thing that was teased at the end of last episode, talking about trademarking her name, She-Hulk, and this idea that someone else has named me. I did not like the name. I've grown to maybe get used to it, but by the time I got used to it, someone has come in and taken the name from me, taken my identity from me, Titania has, and created this whole line of beauty products, which becomes a battle of wills between both of them that ends up in the court. But we're also seeing her have, uh, Jen Walters, have these conversations with other people, with Mallory Book, with other people about her identity. As I said, marching out the guys who she dated 
talking about that. You see the video in the court about how she's not, uh, you know, she doesn't want to be she called someone else gave her the name. Mm-hmm. And of course, they counter it with Mallory's uh, a statement there from the, or uh, Mallory's script there from the news uh, 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 interview that she did. So there's a lot here about identity. How did you feel about Jen Walter's storyline when it comes to the Titania stuff? Of course, what you felt about Titania and the identity stuff that went on throughout this episode. Uh, well, I think it's really interesting because if you really kind of break it down, I mean, look at Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner is someone who became the Hulk. And being the Hulk ruined his life. Uh, yeah. Being the Hulk is bad. He doesn't want to be the Hulk. Uh, Jen Walters uh, becomes She-Hulk, and She-Hulk overpowers her life. Yes. It, like, She-Hulk is just as bad for Jen in some ways as the Hulk is for Bruce Banner. It's just inverted. Everybody loves She-Hulk. Everybody thinks She-Hulk is amazing. Everybody thinks She-Hulk is the best. Jen Walters is like the, you know, well, who cares about her? She's just a little, you know, so it's like, like as much as Bruce went on this entire journey in the MCU to sort of bring Hulk and Bruce together and become smart Hulk, Jen is on this very similar journey where she really was like, okay, I this thing happened to me. I'm never going to Hulk out. I'm not going to do it. And just she is put in positions both professionally, personally, across the board, where people are preferring She-Hulk over Jen Walters. And that's taking a toll. Uh, and I think that, so as much as it's not the Bruce Banner Hulk story, there are real, there are real interesting parallels that they're drawing. And then I love, I, I'm a big Jamila Jamil fan. I love The Good Place. I think it's one of the best shows like ever. Uh, and I just like, I'm a fan of hers in general. Mm-hmm. And I think what she's doing here, I think what they did uh, to kind of change Titania from the comics into where they are now is really great. In the comics, Titania is a super strong uh, female who is yeah. an adversary of She-Hulk's because they're both super strong and they tend to beat the shit out of each other. But to kind of take her, keep her as a super-powered person, but make her more of a super-powered influencer and really make her sort of the embodiment of the ideals of beauty. Uh, You know, I mean, everything at the beginning with her commercial, uh, you know, strength is beauty, power is beauty, all this stuff, but it's all very surface. Everything about her is on the surface. Um, And with She-Hulk... It's the Jen Walters underneath that makes her strong. Titania doesn't have that part. And so I think like, you know, like they're 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 drawing a really interesting parallel there. And I think it's really funny. Like I Jamila Jamil, when she called She Hulk Shrek, it had me. It had me. I was like, I was like, I was like, oh girl. Like I I I I think like to me. The lightness of this show, as someone who really just loved like the Dan Slott run on She-Hulk and just loves She-Hulk in the MCU, She-Hulk has always been this lighter, fluffier part of the MCU. She can show up in a Marvel crossover and can give it as good as she gets it, and you can have really dramatic moments with her 100%. And there's been some really yeah. powerful moments in the comics, yeah. but I think what really made her stand out is... You know, she broke the fourth wall before Deadpool did. She just has this lighter, funnier, like any character, the most serious character in the MCU or in the Marvel comics could show up in a She-Hulk comic and you see a lighter, sillier side of them. And I think that's kind of where they're going with this. So to your point, the lighter, the lighter nature of these characters, the fact that they come in and they're kind of maybe a little bit overly broad and overly sitcom, like to me, that's part of the style of the show. Um, so I'm oh, really, no, really liking it. That, that is the style. Yeah. So it's clear, like whether you like it or not, yeah, it's yeah, completely exactly. fair. It's clearly their intention. That's what, that's what yes. they're going for. 
Um, and then, like I said earlier, I think that they did just a really nice job of kind of setting up this whole She-Hulk identity thing. Do I want to be She-Hulk? Do I not want to be She-Hulk? Her kind of having to take the name back. And then the way that she did it was parading all those guys, like I said earlier. And like that really just sucks. Yeah. Um, I also, along the Titania thing, I also like how they've sort of adjusted Mallory Book. Like, as much as Titania is an adversary of She-Hulk's in the comics, Mallory Book is really an adversary of Jen Walters, and they have a very adversarial relationship. They are not friends at all. Um, and I kind of like the fact that they've kept Mallory Book as kind of a hard-ass in this, and kind of a, I'm going to keep you at arm's distance, but... The I agree with Shannon that had they brought her in a little bit earlier, given her a little bit more earlier on, the scenes might have landed better. But uh, I still think they landed really great. I mean, it's two amazing actresses working yeah. off of each other. So I still thought it was really lovely. And when she just told her, she was like, you're better than those guys. Like, you don't need this. Like, you're that that's pretty strong what you did. Like, I thought that played really, really nicely. So even though we didn't get... Uh, massive superhero action we didn't move the big big story forward it was just a lot of really really fun stuff and then kind of teeing up the daredevil at the end i think that was sort of their uh give me like hey we didn't give you a big action sequence in this episode but we got her in the suit daredevil's coming hold on you guys are gonna be fine next week that's kind of like the promise (laughs) of that final beat uh, yeah, all right. Uh, Shannon, what are your thoughts here on how they handle the Jen Walters identity stuff here in this episode? Certainly the stuff with uh, with Mallory Book and also Titania, because you, you, in a way you're seeing three different versions of the approach to strength, right? You've got Mallory who very much conveys that strength right on the surface, uh, and it feels like that's an organic, visceral part of who she is. And then you get the Titania stuff, which is I think is fascinating because that's essentially making fun of Goop. And Paltrow is in the MCU, so an incredible thing that they're walking that line to be willing to make fun of the goop stuff. And then, as Michael said, a surface level of of selling strength, not actual strength. And then you have uh, Jen Walters, who's discovering her strength, Ashley Galois, because she has that physical strength, but trying to find that internal strength. So what did you think about how they handled all her identity stuff and those three three characters within these storylines here in this episode? I mean, the funny thing with Tatiana Maslany's performance in this is because part of the time she is a big, you know, CGI, CGI yeah. Hulk. Um, and for my money, it is it 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 delivers mixed results. Um, the CGI the thing, or the performance? The CGI. OK, OK. I think the performance interpreted through the CGI. I think there are moments that because knowing what Tatiana Maslany can do, seeing what she does do in some of the quieter moments in this show, like just at the beginning, like there's not a whole lot of dialogue at the beginning. Like she does not talk as she's as she's driving. She sees the uh, Titania billboard. She doesn't say anything until Ched comes in. So there's a solid, you know, there's a solid. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we the, the less, anyway, the less, yeah. the less better said about, less said about Chad, the better. The less um, seen about Chad, the better. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but um, you know, you can see, as you as you already said, John, the 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 small moments, the small uh, ticks yeah. that she has, like seeing, like it's it's funny and it's also kind of sad. Uh, like you know, she sees you know her name plastered everywhere with Titania's face on it. You know, I mean, that is that is a really great showcase for Tatiana Maslany's abilities, but also it's the type of thing that not everyone's going to catch. It's it's the mm-hmm. type of thing yeah, that yeah, is yeah. is kind of quiet. If you're not really dialed into, you know, the acting part of it, the performance part of it, it's like, 
okay, let's go, let's go, yeah. you know? And, and I think by the end, when she is in She-Hulk form and the, 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 what the pediatrician basically, you know, says, yeah, I wouldn't date her. And you see that moment that um, She-Hulk kind of, it's that, that, that swallowing of the pride moment. Yeah. Um, I feel like without, like, had that been Jen Walters, and granted, it wouldn't have been Jen Walters, it wouldn't work for the scene, um, but had that been Tatiana Maslany's face, I think that moment, because that moment did land, and it landed really well. Um, yeah. I think it would have landed even harder if you didn't have to rely on the CGI She-Hulk versus just getting to look at Tatiana Maslany. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I think there is, in some way, even though the show is called She-Hulk, she has a little bit of a thankless role in this because yeah. everyone else has the, those more those those bigger shades to play, those broader moments in a show like this that is designed to be kind of broad, kind of silly. Um, so what Tatiana Maslany is doing is really really great. I mean, she's she's grounding this whole thing, um, and she's doing she's doing the type of work that you know you're not necessarily going to see every time, but it's really really good. The Mallory book, like. As Vogel said, like there, we needed one little moment at some point, just one more moment to see how she's a little dismissive of this sort of circus freak that has come in. Then when you get the you get the journey that they go on, and then you get that moment in the bar. Like now, I don't think they're going to be friends. Like I think the fact that Jen said, "I'm so glad we're friends now," and Mallory didn't say it back. It was just sort of like, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna finish my breakfast yeah, and I'm gonna excuse really myself. Awesome. Yeah. Now I don't think she's going into villain territory, but I do think it is. I think the next episode, if she pops back up, if she's back to maybe being an ice queen, that's not a shock at all. And I think it right. provides some really interesting, some really interesting territory for Jen's character to go like, oh, I thought we, I thought we were good. It's like, yeah, that's great. That's what you thought, but no. <laughs> um, and then to Titania, like I am a good place watcher. Okay. Um, I thought. Jamila Jamil was great. And because the thing that impresses me about Jamila Jamil is prior to The Good Place, she had not acted. Like she was mm -hmm. a media personality in the UK and she was a comedy writer, but that was the first time she had acted. And if you and if you do watch The Good Place, I mean she does a really, really great job. And so coming into this, I'm like, I'm really curious how she's gonna be. Like, was uh Tahani, was that just her? Is that her just playing herself and then watching her come in? One, I loved her American accent. Yeah. Um, I, I thought oh, it yeah. was it's so, good so good. Yeah. Like the moment right off the bat, like, excuse me, little person. The line is that way. <laughs> I thought, yeah, a child. He's a child. Yeah, I thought she had so many great deliveries. The moment at the end where, or the moment at, at, after the first the first court appearance where she looks over and she does the little throat slashing <laughs> gesture. She had so many great moments that comedically I was like, I thought she just knocked it out of the park. Um, I, I'm sorry. You're not enjoying it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I really did. But of course I respect I, you guys opinion. So, but for me, none of that is working. All of that feels so simple. I don't know. Anyway, we'll get to what I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I mean, everything that she did, like when she she has that sort of ornate cape where she just sort of does one oh, of yeah, these and it comes off yeah. the, 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 the Shrek line. I think because so many people have made that comparison to the show in terms of the special effects when you just uh, have made a Shrek comment. So for her to say, oh, hey, Shrek, thought that was great. Her ew, like all of that, like talking about the uh, the matcher profile, I thought everything that Titania did 
was really, really funny. And again, back to the jokes. Yeah. Um, per capita, I think this did just have the, the best jokes. When the when the one fan wants a photo and asks Jen to take the photo, and you see what a good person Jen Walters is at heart. It's like, okay, one photo. What? I'm going to do it once. Jen is like, you took the shot. You took the shot. You took the picture. It was so Nicky. great. And then Mallory Book, one of her greatest lines is, to, again, talking about the clothes. It's like, so you can look like a person and not like a football player pleading no contest to a DUI. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that is a solid joke delivered by a really really great performer so again despite not having the action i did really enjoy i enjoyed the episode and the the three leading ladies who we're talking about right now yeah it's a confusing place for me because as i said i I love what tatiana Maslany is doing but i do kind of cringe at some of the body shaming that's going on from these characters that we're supposed to care about the i actually or like or or try to connect to again the shek thing i i actually didn't like that because i was like okay where you i know she's the villain She's going to say mean things. I get it. But I don't know. It got, it, playing it for the laugh instead of making it look like something terrible someone said, I thought was a bit off. The linebacker line as well. I mean, because isn't this all about accepting who you are? So accepting who she is. So trying to, it seems weird to have the women trying to change her all the time, get her into better outfits, get her into this kind So it's just confusing for me as I watch it. And again, I'm not a woman, obviously. But I, so I'm looking at it from my point of view, but I'm sure there are plenty of women that can school me on this. But on the other side of it, I do think what they're doing with Jen is actually kind of genius because not a lot of women are Mallory Book. Not a lot of women are influencers like Titania. Uh, so, and, and, and there are some women who are obviously like Nikki, but there's a lot of women who have to struggle with confidence, struggle with you know being in the workplace in a male-dominated workplace, having the comf- uncomfortable smile in certain situations, kind of stumbling and making mistakes. So I think in a way, she represents what a lot of women kind of go through in life. And I think that's what is the real joy of the show is connecting to Jen Walter's story and how she's figuring out how to deal with this thing that was put upon her and trying to figure out how to make it work for her life in a way that's um, organic for her. And so I like that. That is what I really connect to when it comes to the Jen Walters uh, a part of it all. And Because Tatiana Maslany, and that's why you cast someone like that, because you're like, if everyone else is going to stand out, we need to have somebody who is strong and is a damn good actress and will lose no credibility with the audience, being the butt of the joke or being the person who's a little vulnerable or not as confident. It's great to have someone that talented be at the center of your show so that everyone else can shine. There's stuff that gets mm-hmm. lost. And Shannon, I think you're 100% right. When I watch other reviews, they're not as into the acting or dissecting the acting. I think that's a gift that the three of us have is to be able to really get into the nuances of the performances that are happening within the characters yeah. and the things that we review. And that's kind of a cool thing. Sorry, Mike, you've been trying I, to say something. No, I do think, just to, to comment on what you were saying, like yeah. I, am, I am also not a woman, um, <laughs> but... I am gay. So let's talk fashion for a minute. Um, no, because I do think you make you make a range. Of, like, I think that, look, Titania is going to neg She-Hulk. Like, she is going You're to right. put her down physically. She is going right. to do it. But whether it be Mallory Book making the comment about how she's dressed or uh, or Nikki, Nikki went along with it, too. Nikki's or Nikki. Well, here's the thing, though. Yeah. Jen isn't wearing what she's wearing because she loves it. Right. Jen isn't saying this is my personal style. Jen is wearing an overly large, ridiculously huge man suit because yeah, that's great. all that works for her when she's She-Hulk. And she and it's like it's almost like she's not embracing like that this is what the show is about. She is not embracing the She-Hulk side of her. And once you embrace that, 
and say, this is how She-Hulk dresses. This is She-Hulk style. And I think we will see that moment. I mean, we're almost on the cusp of it because this was all about her getting the new outfit that we didn't see yet. But yeah. I think that it's very similar to, I will say, um, not just straight men, but like a lot of times you see guys, uh, straight guys who are maybe not super happy with their body and they wear like big baggy clothes and they wear things. As, and And you yeah. go, okay, look, like, I get why you're wearing this big baggy thing because you don't love everything that's happening here. But if you actually wore something that fit better, even if, you know, we saw parts of you that you don't like as much, you will look better. And so I think this whole thing with Jen is not a I'm shaming you because of how you dress. It's I'm pointing out that you are not embracing your strengths and leaning into them. And I think that's more what it is. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a great way to kind of get me to understand what's happening here and the symbolism of it all, right? That's a great point, Mike, the idea that she's wearing clothes that don't necessarily reflect who she actually is, So, and that reflects the fact that she's not fully embracing She-Hulk. There's a symbolism there as well, so that's, that's actually a really good point when you look at it. So, yeah, okay, I can see that a little bit more. Uh, but, yeah, the t- the titanium, it just doesn't work for me, so that's all I can tell you is I, I don't – it's also surface. It's also easy and ridiculous and kind of corny, and so for me – I don't go along with it. Uh, I, I watched Jamila Jamil on Legendary. My girlfriend loves that show, so I have to watch it. And we sit and watch it. <laughs> I mean, that those those people are incredible on that show, by the way. But she's a great host. So you can tell that she's a natural host and does a really good job doing that. I got to come around and see a little bit more. Maybe I'll go back and watch Good Place someplace down the road and like get to enjoy her performances a little bit more. Just wanted to see more from her. Uh, Tahani, overall. that big beautiful giraffe, Tahani. <laughs> all right let's take a quick break we'll jump into uh actually we'll jump into a little bit of the the side story that happened with pug and nikki uh right after this yeah Um, i was just 1970s hulk is that what that was and that's that's what it was oh god <laughs> i was really i was stretching it's all right we'll, we'll come up with we'll definitely talk about that a little bit later on but yeah let's let's get into this side story that happened shannon tug and nick uh, pug and nikki here go i mean pug being a shoe guy now this is this is the i call this a very la side storyline because in la the idea of standing in line for shoes that's a huge deal i used to live by fairfax and that happened all the time on fairfax so it's like i i saw lines of people i never stood in one never tried to go into that because i just don't think that's crazy but there's certainly a subset of people who do enjoy shoe shopping, enjoy the um, uniqueness of it all. Uh, so it was pretty cool. And then the scene, Nikki and him go down into this uh, to find this drip broker, uh, Alonzo, who ends up leading us to another gentleman who is uh, the fashion guy. But what did you think? Let's just deal with this real quick. What did you think about them finally, in my opinion, giving Nikki a little more screen time to have her own kind of journey here, her own kind of side story here with her and Pug? Well, I'll tell you, the first thing I thought, the first thing I thought was, oh, fucking thank God John can let this one go now. (laughs) That was what I thought. I was like, oh, God, look, Nikki and Pug going on a journey. John's going to love this. This is all Johnny. This is what he wants. It's true. It's true. Shannon, what do you think? Uh, Yeah, I I thought that this came when it was supposed to come. Uh, Like, I don't think you're going to get a, you're not going to get a side story. You're not going to get a subplot for a supporting character the second or third episode. I think this, this came when it was organically supposed to come. And, and when it did eventually arrive, I thought it was great. I mean, them as a duo, 
um, Josh Segarra and Ginger Gonzaga. I mean, I think together they're very, very funny. Yeah. And you, before he approaches her, you do see the untapped potential that the character has as she's looking at everything that Titania has. No, 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 no. I'm not saying for the filmmakers. I'm saying what, what they're going to be able to do with the character that, that she has bigger things in store for her. And I think yeah, you have to be so. patient with these things that if you do it too soon, it doesn't feel right. Uh, so insane. the fact that they waited until now, it made sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but when she's looking at everything that Titania has and basically, basically says, um, this is why, you know, uh, this is why she's rich and I'm not like you get the yeah. sense that uh, Nikki is going to break out on her own path sooner rather than later. And this is this is sort of the opening shots of that. And uh, again, Josh Segarra, oh. I, I cannot get over how funny he is. Um, the whole Does he thing, use like, that voice in other Things he used or is he it putting yeah. on a little bit of in the other two. Well, he yeah. used it. It is it is put on, but yes, okay. I mean he he He's he used it in the other two. Pronounced, yeah, yeah and okay. it's he he is just so funny. And it, again, if you yeah. remember him from Arrow season three, I think. I mean, he was so intense, <laughs> and like this this Josh Cigar, I think, is just so eminently eminently more watchable. And that's not to say yeah. that he was bad in Arrow. It's just this is just so much more fun. Uh, to see that he's talking about the Iron Man three shoes, which there was an ad for them in like the ep episode two, episode yeah. three. It yeah. was in the same ad where they talked about Wolverine. Um, the and the whole one to one to rock, one to stock. Uh, I thought them as a duo. Uh, I I hope we get to see them go on more adventures uh, uh, soon because they're together. They're very very funny. You can keep your Madison and Wonger show. I will take a Nikki and Pug show any day of the week. That entire storyline. I laughed through that entire storyline with those guys. They have great chemistry. Once again, Ginger Gonzaga is the fucking MVP of this show. She is she has great chemistry with everybody in any situation she finds herself in. I mean, the, the whole thing, I wasn't lurking. I was uh, just uh, hadn't been, happened to be close by. Happened to be close. Like the little moments that she gets, she just knocks them out of the park every single yeah. time. So I would have loved a storyline with her starting in the second episode, Shannon. I will counter you in that. But Mike, what did you I, think about uh, uh, Ginger and uh, 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 Ginger and uh, Josh Agora here? Uh, I mean, I'm 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 with Shannon on this one. I just think that like she's she's had some really nice moments. Like she's been likable up to yes. this point, and then when we finally get her and Pug going on this journey, it's super satisfying. Like that, you know, like just given all of the abomination and the Bruce Banner and the everything else that they were doing like this is when they got to this point and they were always like I mean I think from the get-go when they were kind of breaking this story they were like all right so Jen Walters is never gonna go to anybody to get a superhero suit that is not who she is so we are gonna need Nikki to step up at this point oh Pug is really funny let's do this and like the just the banter between the two of them like yeah. even before they went on the journey the banter at Nikki's desk when he's like, oh, I got a favor. Great. I could get one or two. And she's like, all right, well, I'm gonna, you got to repay this favor. And she's like, wait, who is this guy? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cash in the favor now. And he's like, whoa, you're going to cash it in already? And she's like, what? You know, like, just they, there was this banter between the two of them that was so fun and natural that, Shan, like, like Shannon said, like, you're just watching two really, really charming, really, really talented actors just going for it. And every single scene after that, I, when she spoke Chinese to that oh, guy at the boba store, God. 
And then oh. when he was like, I don't speak Chinese, and she, and then he oh. walked away, and she was like, she was like, I am mortified right now. Is he mad? Do you think he's mad? Said, I want to die. Mad? I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. Like it's that horrible. Like I did something that was so unintentionally yeah, offensive, yeah, yeah. I was and then like, <laughs> yeah, it was like it was all just like so funny, so pitch perfect. Her like selling Jen as an Avenger, like the whole bit, like everything. And then all of the Avengers, Avengers, oh Avengers, God. like that was that. such a great, silly, dumb, I mean, uh, look at this stuff. Hawk guy. <laughs> like it was just <laughs> thur. It, yeah. Michael, can we look at it real quick? I mean, Thor yeah. is carrying a shovel instead uh, of a hammer and you've got a Hawk, claw, hawk arrow claw. Um, yeah. Captain America has an eagle instead of a star, but like what has a scorpion. Hulk has like a Hulk is purple and has like a mustache. A mustache. Iron Man's in yellow. And something that Screen Ran pointed out, which I thought was brilliant, is a little subtle shot showing how you've got stacks of Iron Man mugs, but only one line of Black Widow, one line of Hulk, one line of Hawkeye, stacks of Captain America, stacks of Thor, kind of essentially saying that those are the ones that marketing feels a yeah. little bit itself. So that's <laughs> well, kind of interesting, you know. And I mean, I love, I mean, Marvel does this so well. They did it, they did it in uh, in uh, Miss Marvel when they went to AvengerCon, like yeah. kind of showing the sillier, funnier, lighter side of a superhero universe that not everything, I, you know, I apologize to Zack Snyder fans, but in a superhero universe, not everybody is just super serious and talking about how superheroes are gods all the time in the rain. Like there are funnier things. People sell like rip off merchandise. Like people, like I'm just saying, like this is that like as silly and fun as this stuff is, this is how real life is. Like we've all seen (laughs) pictures of the (laughs) shitty knockoff Avengers action figures. Like (laughs) I'm just saying. Oh, I know what you're saying. <laughs> By the way, we do all they, need to do they not have an umbrella in the DC universe? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody carries an umbrella. A Batbrella. Uh, <laughs> no, I know. You, you make an excellent point, though, Mike. I, I, I loved this. This is the humor that worked for me in this episode. Yeah. Absolutely. This entire side storyline totally worked. The dude at the Boba Cafe was great and very funny. And then walking into seeing all the stuff that he's got collected because people do sell knockoff shit. And again, it's an LA side storyline because in LA, you can definitely go down to certain areas like Canal Street or wherever, and you can find some knockoff shit that's misspelled or kind of off. And as a guy who frequents outlet malls all the time to find his clothes, I'm (laughs) telling you, you can find some stuff that's a little bit off, but it still works for you. So I like that you had a little bit of the storyline here with them. And again, the chemistry between the both of them is so good. Josh Segura having very, very, even little less to do than Nikki and uh, Renee, Renee Lee Goldsberry and getting a chance to actually really kind of uh, uh, get a showcase here was great to see. And I want to see more with them. I agree. I want to see much more with them. You know? I mean, the great thing about this show is, yeah, I think yeah. But, and the great thing about this show is uh, very similar to Miss Marvel and Kamala's family is that not only am I excited about seeing Jen Walters on the big screen in whether it's the Kang Dynasty or we see her before then or whatever it is, but I I like Titania. I like Nikki. I like Pug. I like Mallory. But like I am I am very into this entire supporting cast and I'm very on board with any of them showing up anywhere in the MCU. Right, right. Fair point. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll jump into a little bit of uh, fashion right after this. Work. Yeah, nothing. Cover girl. Working oh. girl. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
fashion. Do your thing on the (laughs) Okay, so the idea was good. It was just the execution. Are you allowed to do that? I don't know. (laughs) Did you just seriously did you just speak Chinese to the (laughs) (laughs) I'm ashamed. <laughs> All right, let's move on to this, uh, this, uh, this other part of the of the show. Uh, kind of connected to her identity was her costume here. This idea of needing a suit. You know, we talked about uh, um, um, Holloway. Kind of connected this thing, connecting her to Mallory. Mallory with Nikki talking about how um, Jen needs to have a fashion makeover in essence and kind of get new clothes that fits her. They even make a comment. Uh, Nikki and uh, Jen do when they see Mallory. They're like, "Where does she shop? How does she get that stuff?" You know, it's a really funny moment there between that. Also, funny moment when what's his face shows up, the dude that she dated. Uh, Todd. Todd, right? I mean, her back and forth with Who? Todd was hilarious. Well, and Nikki's saying, wow, you just rolled over. Like, just so rolled right over. But also confirming, I think, what Shannon said last week, which is, yeah. oh, yeah, Todd. Todd's a bad guy. Todd's yeah. showing up yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. Todd's showing up too much to just be yeah. a, <laughs> shitty bo- a shitty guy she dated. Uh, I just love that Todd is uh, – the guy who, you know, I'll take you out for drinks. With what money, Todd? What money, Todd? So this is fascinating to see that he's going to be part of this situation going forward. And who knows? This could be like Sherlock, where the guy you think that is a total dweeb turns out to be Moriarty. It could be where Todd makes this switch and becomes actually. Oh, that's definitely it. Yeah, you think that's the thing? Okay. Oh, he's the bad guy. All right. I'm Although I don't, you know, I, I'm going to throw something out there just because we just talked about it with D23 okay. and, uh, and it got oh, announced yeah. like, is Todd the big? I know we're talking about fashion, but just before we get there, yeah, yeah. is Todd the big bad guy, or are we going to see the leader a little bit before we get to Captain America four? Ooh, could be interesting to see Tim. I mean, the leader is a Hulk. I mean, is a Hulk yeah. t- very clearly tied to the Hulk. We've got Bruce Banner. We've seen him. We've had Emil Blonsky showing up. We've had an abomination moment. Um, are yeah. we saving the leader for Captain America four and just doing a big reveal and he's back, or? We've got a lot of discussion about Hulk blood and different things. And is our Todd and the Wrecking Crew actually working for somebody a little bit bigger, maybe? That's a great point you make, Mike, because remember, they, the uh, Wrecking Crew was trying to get her blood. And what was, um, what's his face, the leader obsessed with in the Hulk movie was, you know, figuring out how he was able to do and this. Todd call, and then Todd calls her a specimen. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it, it is, you know, like. I mean, obviously, at D23, they announced a lot of stuff. So it's yeah. not like saying, oh, look, the leader is going to be the bad guy and Captain America 4 is out of the realm of, like, that's just he's going to be back and that's when he's coming back. But maybe we see him a little bit earlier. I don't know. Certainly possible. It would work within what they've kind of set up for sure. So, yeah, it could be fun. Um, and we saw that Abomination is going to come back in that back half trailer. Yeah. For the next few episodes. So. Clearly breaking the rules of his parole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's move on to this fashion thing here. Griffin Matthews, the actor, plays Luke Jacobson, <clears throat> which seems like a lot of people said was a, a – I've seen a lot of people say that's kind of a, a connection to Edna Mode. You're getting those vibes when you're watching this. And uh, Luke Jacobson is an established character in the comics. Um, uh, it was associated with Detective Dakota North. His assistant, who's played by Brandon Stanley, is identified as Eugene Patillo in the credits, and Eugene, Eugene Patillo in the comics becomes Frogman. So there's some connections here as you're looking through all of this, but we see 
it, this fashion designer guy, man. I mean, you've seen, and, and even Nikki makes a comment because he's not a nice dude. He makes a lot of comments, makes a lot of sarcastic <laughs> moments. Nikki said, you know, in fashion, fashion, fashion people are supposed to be mean. <laughs> Let me give you a little window. I I love making the cut, but my girlfriend halfway through the third season said, "That's enough. I can't take it anymore." How mean they are to some of the designers. Mentioning Heidi Klum, she is not a fan of how Heidi talks to these designers. How the other the dude uh, the dude from Osino, how he talks to designers. She much more prefers the other show. God, I can't think of it now. The one that started at the fashion one designing i can't remember the one with Alyssa milano's on it or whatever she prefers that they're much more positive much more supportive rupaul much more positive much more supportive so yeah fashion is cutthroat where i'm enjoying the meanness of it i'm enjoying the meanness of it this made sense to me to have a character like this michael what did you think about this whole sequence with him design initially not wanting to help then you know she says she's an avenger or nikki says she's an avenger but then says my blood then he's challenged after gonna throw them out He's challenged by the fact that she can go up and down willingly. So now he's challenged about what material to use. And of course, the Daredevil helmet at the end. What do you think about all of this? I mean, I love, look, I think Incredibles is still the MVP of this with Edna Mode. I don't think anyone has ever topped Edna Mode as far as superhero design, but DC Comics has done this. Invincible does it really well. Like this idea that in a superhero, superpowered world, just because you got exposed to gamma rays or got bit by a radioactive spider does not mean you can automatically sew. So all of these amazing <laughs> costumes that come out, like Although somebody got to make them. Tom Holland sewing at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. But you yeah. know what? I'll give it to Tom Holland though. It took him. It took him three three Spider-Man movies and a couple Avengers movies to get to the point where he pulled out a sewing machine. So right. he he got a little leg up. Like Tony Stark hooked him up. But you know, like. This idea that uh, somebody's got to make these costumes, that in a world where superheroes are popping up all over the place, this is a position that will be filled. And so oh, yes. I think kind of doing the deep cut of pulling uh, Luke Jacobson uh, from the Dakota North comics and then sort of reinventing that character as a very modern kind of fashion guy, I think this is something that, again, like Marvel can have a lot of fun with this. This is another character that can easily pop up anywhere um, as they're designing things. And I and I do like the idea that, like, not interested in Jen Walters at all. Like, he's very busy. He's got a lot going on. You told me she was going to be an Avenger. To your, you, you mentioned Johnny, the whole, like, she's the she's the Hulk's cousin. And he's like, by blood? And you're like, well, yeah, like, literally. Um, again, another mention of blood, which makes me yeah. go, like, eh, is the leader going to be in this thing? Um, but, yeah, and, like, and, and then, like, just loving the challenge. Like, okay, I was yeah. not interested in this until I saw that, oh, I have to have something that stretches. I got, okay, this is interesting to me. And then you sort of get the whole, you know, I love the way they sort of slip in. Because, again, Jen Walters, this version of her, is not going to need a superhero suit. She is yeah. adamantly against being a superhero. We all know she's going to superhero. She doesn't know it yet. But I love that he just went ahead and made the cut. Co- He's like, here's your lawyer stuff. But also I made you this. And she's like, I don't think I'm going to. He's like, shut up. Uh, and so I just think he's a really fun character. I hope we see more of him. And then, yeah, I love the idea, uh, you know, is, is the daredevil from Netflix, the type of guy that would go to a designer to get his helmet done? I don't know, but I'll take it. Uh, I think it's going to get us all in that. I think that this sort of, you answered the question, Johnny. I think we are going to see Frogman in She-Hulk. I think when you watch the mid season trailer, I 
pretty clear that's showing up. So I think, you know, we're going to see this whole thing happen. So I, I'm super on board with that. I thought it was fun. Anytime I see these kind of, oh, I'm the superhero designer, I do feel like it's always a bit derivative of Edna Mode. Um, so there's always that kind of like, yeah, okay, like this has been done, but it works really well. Someone's got to make these costumes. I think it's fun. It's cute. And it's fabulous. Yeah, I think as we talk about the show more, as I watch more of the show, it is very geared to a certain age demographic in the Marvel Universe and in the um, overall viewers of, of uh, contents. They're aiming very squarely at the social media, at the fashion people. I mean, the shoes stuff with Pug. All of that is for a certain age demographic. And I think, in a way, this is genius. Yeah, some of the older fans like me might have a little more issue with how it's being approached. But they are trying to appeal to the younger demographic with how with things that they're doing. So, like, I, I can be aware of that. It may not always work for me, but I can certainly be aware of why they're doing it. It's smart business. It's I smart just like I just like this. You, I like now. I'm picturing you sitting and watching it with your arms folded, being like, "Back in my day, superheroes <laughs> made their own costumes." Standing <laughs> line for sneakers. If it was there. It was there. And if it wasn't, it wasn't. Oh, the outlaw. The outlaw's angry. <laughs> Those were the days on the ranch. But Alonzo, I mean, the Alonzo thing is interesting too, Shannon, because a lot of people think of it or speculate that it could be a nice reference to Victoria Alonzo, who, of course, is an MCU v, uh, Marvel <laughs> VP. Uh, so that's a possibility. But this, this term, drip broker, I have not heard this term before, and I immediately love it. I immediately love the idea of a drip broker. I certainly fucking need a drip broker in my life. That is an awesome thing to have. And then how this whole storyline progresses into the fashion side of things. What did you think about this? Uh, and once again, I would say this, and I wonder if you agree, Shannon, and, and Mike Griffin Matthews, great casting choice to play this character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very natural, very believable, uh, mean, but also uh, you understand why and the challenge of it all, you can understand from people who I've seen in fashion who can be quite mean watching some of the shows. So you understand because they take it so seriously. That's why that anger is is kind of bubbling under the surface, but and sometimes out above the surface. Shannon, what do you think of this whole fashion approach thing? Yeah, I mean Griffin Matthews is a great choice. Very very funny on the flight attendant. Um, as Vogel was talking oh, yeah. about, like anytime you have a superhero costume designer, the the comparisons to Edna Mode, it's like trying to do an adventure movie post Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, you're always going to compare it to that. <laughs> yeah, um, but I will say what Griffin Matthews did is the most like Edna Mode in that you have these yeah. people who present very fashion designer forward. Like you think of, uh, you know, the Devil Wears Prada, like the Devil mm. Wears Prada, like Meryl Streep's character. Yeah, like these people that are so distinct that you know exactly what they do for a living. And then as Luke Jacobson starts throwing out more super heroic terms in terms of you know you know bulletproof flame retardant all this stuff for a second it's a little jarring so it's like oh that shouldn't come out of a fashion deni fashion designer's mouth like oh it comes out of this type of fashion designer's mouth um yeah i thought he was i, I thought he was really really funny um did i i have heard that term <laughs> again oh I you have feel, okay i feel no well i've i've heard about the drip i've never heard a drip broker. Oh, yeah no i've heard the drip i've heard i've yeah. heard of the drip <laughs> and again this is when i feel like i'm really like oh you're old and i'm like well i've heard i've heard the kids say that um i've never heard those two put together <laughs> but i do i do think again and especially coming out of pug's mouth i'm here like he's got alonzo the drip broker i was like oh yeah that's really funny um and, and the idea that you know yes netflix daredevil he went to melvin potter um that uh, melvin potter and 
may not exist in our MCU universe. So uh, Daredevil needs <laughs> he he needs his uh, he needs his helmet. And uh, with Luke Jacobson, you're going to go with some bolder colors, and that's why you got the yellow. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. It was a, again nice connected and connected storyline with Bug and Nikki. I liked the connection. I liked what was going on. This is some great casting, and I want to see more. I want to see. You know, I want to see because I mean, the, the the sarcasm of Tony Stark has been kind of missing in the in the MCU since the death of Tony. So having yeah. this show come in with these characters that have that kind of sarcastic, real world, throw you off, and anachronistic at times references, I love it. I think it's genius. And so having a character like that be someone who clothes maybe clothes the New York people, I think it's genius. Like Luke yeah. Cage having to go to him, or Jessica Jones having to go to him. Like all these, there's a lot of games. And is he only superheroes or does he do supervillains as well? That's interesting too, you know? And in a show about an influencer like Titania, you get another side of this thing where a fashion designer is also influencing superhero fashion design. So just very fascinating to see these, the way, the levels that some of these things are working at. And you make a really good point. I mean, like we're living in this really great, you know, when you look at, when you track the MCU, yeah. Uh, you know, you kind of started from Iron Man was like the first superhero. And then, you know, you sort of had these other heroes pop up leading into the Avengers. But the Avengers were still very sort of like to the point where like with the Sokovia Accords, it was like, well, if we just register you guys with the government, this is taken care of. But we're at the point now in the MCU where Sokovia Accords are not. Like, there's just super-powered individuals popping up everywhere. And obviously, this is going to lead into a mutant issue. Um, so I just yeah. think, like, we're, you know, kind of watching this world sort of naturally populate. And She-Hulk is one of the first shows where we're not dealing with just an individual who got powers and the people immediately around them who also deal with it. Like, She-Hulk is a world where we've got... As guardian uh, elves, kind of you know, uh, impersonating celebrities, and we've got Titania, who's a super powered influencer. You know, like we've just got this world that's kind of building and populating, which is really kind of fun and silly, and you get to see all the fun offshoots of that. But also, uh, and this is where Marvel, I think, does this really well. You play this for fun in She-Hulk, but you turn it right around with Damage Control, going, hey. This is getting out of control. There are too many superpowered people. There is too much going on. There's these people just popping up with random powers. We need to register this. So as much as a world that's populated by heroes allows you to have superhero fashion designers and superhero makeup lines and superhero websites and superhero shoe lines, it also allows you to go, hey, this is a real problem. Um, so yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see as we populate this world with more and more and more and more heroes where this all goes. Jeff Goldblum once said, uh, uh, life finds a way. Yeah, exactly. This is what you're seeing happening here in this world for sure. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll jump into uh, uh, some of the Easter eggs and references as we wrap up the show right after this. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> you better work. Turn to the left. Work it, girl. We already did that one. What's the new one? Well, Shoot. 
<laughs> to the to the moon, shoot to the moon, something like that. I, I, go, I try to no. sing it around the house, and she she yells at me all the time that I'm not getting things right. Anyway, let's move on to some uh, Easter eggs here going on. Real quick, here's the first one I want to start with. Well, I'll I'll lay them all out, and then we'll just talk about them. Uh, the first uh, Easter egg, the predominant one. Obviously, we, we talked about Titania, so Michael already made a, a reference to that. Shannon mentioning Mallory Book and her her role in in the comics. So those are references, certainly that we can tell. But um, the She Hulk thing. Uh, of trademarking that is an actual thing that happened in real life in 1980, the success of the Incredible Hulk TV show, which Shannon unwittingly did the theme for early in a, a few breaks ago, led CBA, it led Marvel Comics to become concerned that the network would beat them to the punch by creating their own She-Hulk. Had they done so, CBS could have created a spin-off TV series starring their original character without any involvement or payment to Marvel because they would have owned the rights. And because they saw ABC do $6 million man and then do the bionic woman, they were scared. So Stan Lee had them uh, create a She-Hulk comic so that they would own the name before and trademark the name before uh, CBS could do that with Incredible Hulk. So just that's a kind of a really interesting that I as a guy who watched it, I had no idea that actually happened. So a nice reference that they use real world. Uh, the other thing we talked with the other uh, um, uh, reference here, we talked about Griff- Griffin Matthews, Luke Jacobson as well. We talked about Titania being a main rival. Let's move on to the shoes. And I want to bring this up because this is fascinating stuff here. We get a Deadpool shoe here. This is a, a clip obviously from the credits. We also get an, uh, the Iron Man threes, but we get a Cyclops shoe we get a Wolverine shoe, and those aren't the only ones that you can see. There's also a Green Goblin shoe, the Kree superhero Captain America, X-Men, as I said, the Cyclops one. Nova is in there, Captain America, or maybe America Chavez has the a thing. shoe. The Falcon, the shoe. Uh, yeah, the, the thing, <laughs> Doctor Strange. <laughs> Doctor Doom has a shoe in there. And the Spider-Man design is a riff on the Scarlet Spider, which was a clone of Peter Parker. So, And, and there was Black Panther sneakers as well. So... A lot inside of these uh, uh, Easter eggs there to kind of announce, in essence, that these heroes are now canon because you can't make shoes of stuff that don't Maybe. exist. And so, Maybe. I mean, it's like kind of a roundabout way of introducing them. So, gentlemen, what do you think of all these Easter eggs and all these references here in the show? I think Pug spends a lot of money on shoes. <laughs> well, as a lawyer, he's got them. He's got them. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that like sh- them popping up necessarily is like okay, all these characters are canon and they all already exist. Yeah. I think it's sort of just a fun Easter egg for fans, but I think it's a really good okay. Easter egg. I mean, as Shannon has said a couple weeks ago, uh, even when you don't have a post-credit sequence in She-Hulk, just watching uh, the end credits with all the legal, uh, you know, legal courtroom artwork, it's. It's a great way to end the show. It's very tongue-in-cheek. And just like She-Hulk the comic, yeah. it's sort of self-referential and meta. So seeing these, seeing all these things pop up is not so much saying, okay, well, this is an Easter egg to let you know that Cyclops and Wolverine already exist and people make shoes about them. But it is kind of a, hey, guys, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, we're, we're comic book nerds just like you, and we're having as much fun as you are making this as you are watching it. All right. Shannon, thoughts on this and maybe even the uh, trademark thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I do I do agree with Vogel. I mean, also, we don't know really when these credits take place. So maybe this is way after Ooh, all these characters points. have been introduced. It's, it's Pug maybe showing off his Iron Man 4s versus his Iron Man 3s. <laughs> um, the whole trademark thing, that's pretty fascinating because, you know, they have tried they had tried to get a, a couple of different She-Hulk projects off 
off the ground in the years since you know the character was introduced in the comics so the idea that uh marvel had a little bit of foresight yeah. a little bit of suspicious foresight to be like let's get in front of this before they before they do something uh, uh tricksy um also i i will say i mean this is not really an easter egg but i think my favorite thing that they did was something that i thought they were going to do with wong in episode three or four when um it's uh, the she-hulk title card comes up and then it turns pink and it says oh yeah. titania yeah. i was like that is brilliant like that's yeah. really funny and that, again that's what i was hoping because they made such a big deal about wong being in the episode prior to the title card that i wanted them to say she hulk attorney at law guest starring wong <laughs> so to think that uh, you know comedic comedically we're on the same page Fair, fair. Uh, and there's. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. What are you saying? Uh, let's say one more thing, but if you want to add to the, what we're talking about, please feel free. No, no, no this was a new one, so go. Okay. Uh, this one here, we see the um, we see the yellow helmet. That's the old school shot from the comics of that uh, outfit. And for those of you who don't know, Daredevil made that suit initially. That's his prototype Daredevil suit based on the mater- boxing materials of his father, Jack, turning his trunks, boots, and robe into the superhero outfit, the combination of the yellow and the red. We did see a picture or a shot of him in that. And then we do see also that this is hanging there as uh, as he's walking by. We see that kind of red vest uh, Daredevil suit. So clearly he does go to my man's uh, fashion uh, shop to get his suits. Um, and so that's a nice reference here that we have. In essence, it kind of signals a rebirth of daredevil if you're going back to his prototype suit he's almost reborn reborn born again might so you might <laughs> yes. yeah what do you guys think of that it was pretty cool to see yeah i mean i'm really curious to see i mean and i this this is gonna aside like i said i think i said this last week too but aside from uh the brief brief cameo that we got in no way home where we all screamed and loved it so much because it was official that matt murdoch is actually in the mcu this is the first time that we're gonna really get a sense of who Matt Murdock is in the MCU, how close he is to his Netflix version. And, you know, like they've said with uh, with Born Again, like it's not necessarily a season four. It's sort of a rebooting to a degree. And so I think yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see him and understand why this is his suit now. Like, are we yeah. like how much of the how much of Daredevil's history still exists or not. Like he could show up and be like, Hey, yeah, I'm a, I just became a superhero too. And this is my suit. And we're just going to ignore all of Netflix. Or he's going to say, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. Thought it was time for a change. Like there's a lot of information is going to fill in the gaps as soon as he shows up that I think will be an interesting indicator of what we can expect from him and Wilson Fisk and who else we might see. So I'm really, I'm really interested to see how they, make this transition uh from the netflix series to the mcu yeah what do you think shannon what do you think about this uh uh kind of uh, tease here yeah i mean watching the trailer for the back half of the season um you know they had said that the daredevil in the mcu is not going to be as um forlorn as the one from netflix now you go back and watch that netflix show that is very much a grown-up that is an adult show yeah. So to to think that like, all right, he's not going to be as much as that. That doesn't mean they're completely abandoning that character. I mean, he's not right. suddenly going to be swinging around cracking jokes. I mean, you can and you can tell that from the little bit that we see yeah. in the second half trailer. Like this is this is Matt Murdock, a couple of turns of the dial to the left. And yeah, yeah. And, and I and I imagine it's less the character and more the environment. 
and mm-hmm. something that, in my opinion, and, and folks might disagree with me, um, something successfully that they did with Wong in She-Hulk is it's not a betrayal of the character. You're putting him in a lighter environment, in a lighter yeah. situation. But yeah. that is still very much the guy that we met in Doctor Strange 1 that we continued to see in the Avengers movies and Doctor Strange 2. Like, it's the same guy. Yeah. And also, like, when we get to the Daredevil series, like, because they said, what, 18 episodes? He might yeah. have that yellow suit at the beginning. In 18 episodes, he's getting a new suit. So yeah. I don't I don't think that suit is, that is not the end yeah. of, of Daredevil's costumes. Yeah, well, no. Yeah. And even if you, I mean, when you watch the mid-season trailer and you have that one bit where Matt Murdock is kind of saying to Jen that, you know, that she gets to help people as She-Hulk, but then help them as Jen Walters in a different way, that's very Matt Murdock advice. Like, it's yes. a very, like, it's very grounded, like, and, you know, I, I'm just really excited to see how these, they're both superhero lawyers, you know, like, we're going to get to, like, he, yeah. he in a way, uh gets Jen more than most people do because he maintains both sides of that life pretty well, mostly, except when he gets the shit beat out of him. But, uh, you know, but he actually, he actually manages to do both of those things. So I think having him come into this show in the one episode that he's going to be in, in addition to just being like nerd catnip, like we're all just like, fuck, give me Daredevil, give me Daredevil, give me Daredevil. I think we'll still work well. I don't, I think they've done a great job. I think you're right about Wong and kind of the tone. I also think for a show that is filled with superhero cameos each week, they've done a really, really nice job of making sure that those cameos do sort of lead back to Jen's journey. Like it doesn't feel like we're doing a story about Jen Walter's journey. Oh, let's stop and do the Marvel cameo this week for the nerdy fans. They're managing to do both really, really well. Yeah, that's a good point. I just hope Scarlet Witch doesn't show up at the 18 episodes and uh, snap his neck. Um, uh, any final words here as we go and wrap up this review? Michael, did you have one more reference? You were saying you might have another reference. Uh, reference. Jen Walters' license plate is a reference to a What If comic that She-Hulk is in, but I don't remember which one it is, but I just remember that it is. Okay. So there you go. Speaking of which, my Outlaw Nation license plates have come in, so I will be putting them on my car. Look oh, at that. sweet Jesus. Oh, God help us all. Uh, Shannon, any final words on this episode? I feel like Michael just gave his. Any final words on this episode? No, no I mean, just uh, I- I'm still enjoying this show very thoroughly, and I thought the shot of the license plate, I was like, I imagine that's something. I'm not going to Google it right now. But <laughs> <laughs> they're really, they're holding on that license plate long enough that it's probably something. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I think talking with you guys about the show helps me to enjoy the show. I'll be honest with you. Cause like when I watch some of the, the humor doesn't always work for me, but the Jen Walter stuff always works for me. Cause Tatiana is so good. But I think some of the things you guys say, help me to kind of look at it in a different way and kind of reappreciate what they're doing. Cause I do think I do stand by, I do think it's genius. Their approach to this in a way to kind of open Marvel up to a whole new section of people that maybe were too, maybe don't like the older heroes, the older, remember, there are people who don't like the original trilogy in Star Wars who like the prequel trilogy much more or who like the sequel trilogy much more. Those people do exist. So, you know, you got to cater to that as well if you're an entertainment company. It makes sense. Um, All right, well, there you go. That's our spoiler review here for episode five of She-Hulk. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to dance in front of the outlaw's house and see if he yells at you to get off his lawn, you can follow <laughs> at, the, at the Roka Says. 
Just don't dance too close to the driveway. Uh, Michael, what do you have to say? <laughs> Look, we got geeky stuff. We got Easter eggs. We got fashion. We got acting. We talk about all the stuff. Uh, and if you like talking about all these things too, here's what you can do. Uh, hit the like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Leave your comments below. What are you thinking about it? Are you on Team Johnny and it's not really working for you? Are you more into it like me and Shannon are? Let us know in the comments. Uh, if you're listening to us on podcasts, leave some comments, leave some stars so we go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, and send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. Absolutely. And I can't stress what Michael just said even more. We have moved over to iHeartRadio, so for the love of God, go and subscribe to our podcast there so we have stronger numbers to get more advertisers and move up the chain to be recommended in the film TV category. Please go and subscribe to our podcast. We would appreciate it madly. All right, thank you all so much for joining us. We've given you a bunch of Geek Buddies content this week. Hope you enjoyed it and or comes out next week, so there'll be even more coming from us on the Geek Buddies. So exhausted. It's, yeah, it's going to be smoke coming off our TVs for sure. So look out for all of that as well. All right, take care of yourselves. Have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode here. Oh, from the Geek Buddies. Hey! hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.